2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. Were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: From the home of the Bet Bites
0: podcast, this is Bet Bites Golf with Dave Tyndall and James Butler. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Golf Betting Podcast. But it's a golf betting podcast without any golf, but we do. We have 2021 to look ahead to. I'm James Butler. and I'm joined today by not just one gargantuan golfing brain, but two, because we have Benjamin Coley on the line. I'm going to introduce you first, Ben, because you are the guest. How are you?
2: I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, excited to talk golf is non-stop, isn't it? I just thought I was on holiday, and Dave sent me a message. Um, so, um, but no, looking forward to it. It's um, anti-post golf punting. You know, it provides opportunities, doesn't it? You know, Bryson DeChambeau went off eight to one for the Masters. You'd have had thirty-three to one a year in advance, obviously. Both losing bets, but hopefully we can do a bit better.
0: <laughs> well, it's really good to have you with us today, and uh, joined as always by the legendary golf betting pundit. As I always introduce him, Dave Tyndall. Dave, how are you? Yes, very well, James. Uh, thank you.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a no lose request when I said to Ben, "Do you fancy coming on a podcast? Because he's he's very good. He, he can't stop talking about golf. So thought we'd tap into that and get him on board."
0: Well, not being able to stop talking about golf is quite useful when we have four majors of 2021 to look forward to. We're going to do this in two parts, listeners. In the first part of this one, we're going to look ahead to the Masters and the PGA next year. And then you'll have to turn over the record or whatever the current phraseology would be for the US Open 2021 and the Open Championship. But let's get into this. Let's get into the Masters. We've only just had one and it's coming around quickly again. It's back with us in April 2021. We saw last year... Not that long ago, Dustin Johnson was the uh, Masters champion, the first player to score 20 under par for a winning score delayed from April to November. He will be defending his title in Augusta. It's come around quickly, Ben, hasn't it? It's uh, one that we always look forward to. When Dave and myself did the preview for the Masters, we described it as our favourite. Would that be the same for you?
2: yeah it would yeah um, I probably for one week a year I kid myself that it isn't when I'm at the Open Championship <laughs> and um, you know Paul Rush in particular was was my favourite Open for a number of reasons um, but yeah I, I think the Masters would if you give me a choice in the deep depths of winter um, you can have a major next week what will it be I would choose the Masters and obviously uh, somehow that actually happened this year but yeah it's it, it's great and I guess part of the challenge for April will be um, how much you consider November's Masters to be relevant uh, for one thing uh, and also whether the, the specter of Dustin Johnson is deemed a problem because you know if he turns up in the form he was in in November then he will uh, have a great chance to defy the the curse if you like it it tends to be an event where the defending champions want to swerve but Dustin Johnson's uh, not like most defending champions so yeah he deserves his position at the top of the market that's for sure
0: Dave Tyndall, it's not been that long since we did our preview for the last one it was a slightly different viewing experience wasn't it in uh, 2020 as most things have been Um, it has to be said because of COVID-19 but we'll see the flowers back in April and it'll be uh, the Masters as we know it hopefully with a more normal 2021, hopefully just around the corner. It's one to look forward to. It always is. How do you see this one going? We're going to basically, as we go through this one, Ben and Dave are going to put up two picks for each of these competitions. Tell you what, Dave, before I get you to speak, I'll tell you the top of the market as the bookies have it at the moment. 15 to 2 for the defending champion, Dustin Johnson. Rory McIlroy is the second favourite around about 10 to 1. Bryson DeChambeau, 11 to 1. So is John Rahm. So is Justin Thomas. And Brooks Kepka is there at 4 teens are any of those in your kind of thinking are we looking elsewhere dave tyndall
1: yeah it's trying to work out the kind of levels of recency bias and Mm. because we've just seen one therefore will we get the same cast list coming through in April because of the gap is, what, four months? And it's very easy to think, well, they've only just played well there. But I absolutely loved the Masters this year, but I didn't quite love it as much as an April Masters for some of the reasons you might have said. The, the kind of conditions, the way it looked, but probably more as a, as a pure golfing punter. the conditions, I just thought it was too easy. I didn't like to see 20-under winning the tournament. I thought maybe there were some players who maybe did well or did better than they might have done, in a fast-running April Masters. So I'm having to sort of train myself away from what's just happened because I'm not sure that will just play out again. So I don't think you're going to get a load of new players maybe thriving as, as well as they did in November. The very interesting one is Dustin Johnson because I was trying to think of this. I mean, he won his first major in 2016. Now he's won another one. Is it the case that the floodgates now open? And I was trying to think, who else has had that pattern? And the only one I could think of, he won one and then won another four years later, was John Daly, and that's probably like the worst <laughs> <laughs> comparison you could ever come up with—a complete sort of freak of nature who had these two thunderbolt moments and did very little else. where DJ is a number one and wins all the time. So, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of others. Like Tiger wins in 1997, then he wins another major. Okay, maybe he didn't win one the next year, but 1999 then kicks on. Phil Mickelson, when he he had to wait for his first a long time, two thousand and four. Then he wins one the next year. Then he wins one the next year. I don't know quite whether I'm getting too obsessed by number patterns. Whether DJ will just now kick on? or well, can, I, can I ask will you? When, more-
0: when when DJ won his first four years ago, was there the same kind of thought process then that this might be opening the floodgates at that stage? Because obviously they didn't open then.
1: I'm going to say yes, but I'm sure Ben will back that up.
2: Yeah, I, I would have thought he'd win another by now, but I do think it just it just serves as a reminder. I guess in 2016, you know, we were still learning about Justin Thomas. I know Jordan Spieth and Jason Day were at the top of the sport, but I think it's fair to say, as every year has passed, more and more potential major champions have come to the fore. And I think that was why you'd have been worried that DJ had missed his chance, really, not to capitalize on that win at Oakmont. I don't think the floodgates will open um, because I don't think that's really possible anymore. But I don't think he's finished winning majors. You know, I I think we'd all expect him to pick up another couple along the way. Whether his focus now is the PGA Championship and the Open Championship to move towards the Grand Slam, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be taking that too seriously. But yeah, they're just so hard to win, I guess. That's my, I know that's a very obvious thing for me to come on and say, but they're so hard to win these days that however easy he made it look, he could play to a very similar level and Justin Thomas plays a little bit better and and he finishes second. So I think that applies to all the market leaders, I guess. But where DJ's concerned, no, no, I don't think he's about to win five of the next seven, but clearly he he should be the favourite.
0: Well, Ben, the, the kind of premise behind this podcast is that I'm a cricket journalist broadcaster and with a passing interest in golf, Dave's the expert. I've got two experts with me today but when we previewed the Masters it was the one tournament we said where the leaderboard was the kind of expected people you know some of the other majors you get people that are slightly longer odds are we are we thinking that way for 2021 that it's going to be one of the, the top end of the market to win it
2: yeah I mean ultimately the bottom line is DJ1 right he was second favourite I think a lot of people would have argued he should have been favourite um, there was no surprise to that I think what it did show is, whether it was November, and I think we should uh, lend weight to this theory, you know, no crowds. You've got people like C.T. Pan, Abraham Anser, Dylan Fratelli, you know, guys that you wouldn't necessarily have expected for all their quality to be in the mix in a normal Masters. Now, they're not they're not the first surprise names to be involved in the Masters. Jonas Blix was a 300 to 1 chance when he finished in the top five and I think he finished tied second actually on his debut but I think there were more surprise names in November under different conditions I think going back to April with a, a Masters experience as as we would expect it to be and I'm I'm hoping we get some crowds I don't think any of us can be sure of that but even if it's a smaller crowd it, it will make a difference so yeah I think the Masters champion will be I, ultimately if you, if you show people who won the November Masters it's just like an April Masters someone with loads of Augusta experience and of, of the absolute top of the game, another top player um, so yeah, one of them will win it I'm sure and that will certainly be reflected in my selections even at this stage.
0: I'm interested in something you just said there Ben, that the, yeah, obviously it's the kind of the crowds add to the intensity add to the pressure, add to the you know, the, the good players coming to the top but some of these guys, I mean Sunglai like Im who was, uh, was he second last time around at the Masters in November, he, he's got a f- four rounds under his belt there without that pressure but will he therefore some of those players be more ready when the crowds come back in?
2: You'd like to hope so. I think certainly if you were making your debut, um, then then to do so without crowds is quite a nice little pipe yeah. opener, isn't it? And and to, to know that you're coming back in April, I think took some pressure off some players as well. You know, you've got another chance just around the corner. So that it, I, I could view any debut performance preferably definitely um, and certainly where Sungjae is concerned I would but generally speaking it's it just gonna be a very different challenge even if there aren't any crowds you know and and maybe you could you could argue the opposite couldn't you you could argue that these guys who had their debut in November haven't really had their debut they've not had to do it in front of patrons they've not had the par three contest you know all those things so you know may, maybe all of a sudden they'll, they'll get back there in April and think oh yeah I've done this before now hold on a minute this is this is a whole new thing entirely and I think if we rewind back to the summer you had people like Jordan Spieth and Rory McElroy saying you might see some first time major champions or some surprise winners um, or some younger contenders with the absence of crowds. And the very first one, the USPGA was notable for that champ Scheffler Morikawa, you know, a lot of young guys up there. I know they're just really good, but I think they did benefit to some extent. And I think players like Sung Jae-in will have benefited to some extent. And I'll just throw one more thing in for Sung Jae, uh, the media, you know, the, the, the Korean media presence was so much smaller than it would have been. And I think that that's another thing that changes in April that does, um, Yeah, it brings it back to a proper Masters and a a real test. And that's not to undermine what DJ did, of course.
0: Yeah, they've had their dress rehearsal without the audience in. And now they're going to have to do it with the the roar of the crowd. We're going to do two picks for each of you. There's no guarantee. I don't know if you've conferred whether you've got the same picks or not. But let's start with you, Ben, your first pick for the Masters 2021.
2: Yes, yeah, so I'll start with the biggest price of my two because I think he's the best value. And it's it's Harris English. You can get 100 to 1. He's 80 to 1 generally. I, I can sort of see people turning their noses up at this, but he's, he's in the top 30 of the world now. It's, he's been clearly the most improved player on the planet the last year. Data goal for a brilliant, brilliant um analysts uh, based in the states, They have him the eighth best player in the world. Now, the eighth best player in the world at Augusta should be going off about 25 to 1. As we stand now um, at the end of the year, he just just actually won a trophy at long last with Matt Kuchar in the, um, whatever they call it, the Franklin Templeton shootout as it used to be, a QBE shootout. Um, I'm not going to argue that's particularly significant, but what is significant is that he's been one of the best players in the world for basically since the restart and he'd shown signs before it as well. So. Yeah, I think 100-1 massively underestimates his chance if they were playing it tomorrow. But what I think it also... Um, underestimates is the likelihood that he wins in the next three or four months and it's only going to take that I think there are still some people who are a little bit dubious and, oh Harris English yeah, just turning up and finishing eighth not winning you know pe- people do tend to look at golfers in that sort of ruthless way I think one win changes the perception massively of Harris English and in January alone he plays two of his favorite courses on tour so I don't want to get too wrapped up in trying to predict how he'll play in the run-up to Augusta but I think there's a very good chance he goes off closer to 40 to 50 to one the negative is he's got form figures of miscut and forty second of the course, but there have been enough winners over the last decade or so. Patrick Reed, Danny Willett would be the two most recent who were defying poor Augusta records. And I think those old trends are a good starting point, but they're not everything. And above all else, a hundred to one, the eighth best player on the planet, by some verdict um is, is too
1: good to ignore.
0: Dave Tyndall, your first pick for the Masters twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah well one of the problems of doing this now is weighing up the relative merits of the price against the each-way terms because we know when it comes around to the Masters, we're going to get eight, nine, ten each-way places. At the moment, we've got five and six. So it's almost like you could put up someone at a fancy price now, and yeah, they'll probably get shorter, but can they get in? You know, will you get paid out on the each-way term? They are now, so they could finish ninth, which is great if you back them in the week of the Masters. That's no good to you, you're backing them now. So I, I wanted to pick someone who, in theory, their price could drop quite heavily. And also, they are very capable of getting in the top five or six now, because that's the each-way turns we have to deal with right now. So this is speculative, because I'm absolutely relying on something changing in his game. But I'm going to go for Ricky Fowler, who's best price 70 to 1. He's also 66 to 1, fairly general. I'm very much looking back at Augusta, April form, and his is, Really quite excellent, to be honest. Over the last five or six years, I mean, he started off well. He was 38, 27, 38, the first three, so nice sort of grounding there, getting his foot in the door. Then he was fifth, 12th, Miss cut, 11th, second, ninth. So between 2014 and 2019, in those six Masters, he was outside the top 12 just once, and he's got a fifth and a second in there, ninth. 2019 even this year when he's kind of fallen off a cliff in terms of form he was 29th which shows he can kind of just play it from memory and and get by obviously there's a big element we need to see ricky fowler improving on what he's done and i don't know what that's going to take but we've got a few months to for that to bed in any any new stuff he works out you still think at his best he can more than get a top five. There was that year, wasn't there, 2014, where he he was top five in every major, top five in two majors in 2017, run up 2018, ninth and sixth in 2019. He was just a very good major player. Now, obviously with him, he's not won one yet, but if we're talking each way value at 70 and 66s, I think he represents that. And I just think he's one of those not on the radar from what we've just seen. So he's kind of, people are forgetting about him a bit. But I think, as Ben said, with Harris English, one big win, I mean, Ricky Fowler plays really well in Phoenix, for example, one big win between now and April and that price will absolutely crash. So, yeah, that's my Kind of a bit of a stab in the dark and some hope involved, but that's what you do with anti post betting, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's completely different vibe, this isn't it, to what we usually do because we usually wait until as late as we can on a Wednesday to get the very latest information, the very latest <laughs> prices and stuff. And we couldn't be further away really from the 2021 season. But Harris English already in the uh, on the list, Ricky Fowler in there as well, 100 to 1 and 70 to 1. Ben, what's your second pick for the Masters?
2: Yeah, I just echo what Dave said. It, it, you know, we're, we're this far out. There's, you know, seven and a half to 1 DJ and 10 to 1 Bryson has- and, you know, are they going to be drastically different prices come the week when we can really assess what position they're in? Probably not. One who maybe has the potential, and I, I say it tentatively because I, I don't think he's a, you know, he's not twice the price I expect him to go off, but I think you might just beat the market with him. And he's a definite potential Masters winner is Sung Jae Im. Now, it goes against what I said about the November Masters generally. I, I don't think it'll be that worthwhile a pointer. But there's always scope for someone to defy the logic. And I think Sung Jae Im could be that player. If you think about those players, certainly in recent times, who've rocked up at Augusta and finished second on debut. then the one who springs to mind is Jordan Spieth. He came back the next year and and they never got a look at him. You know, he won that tournament really halfway. He looked like he was going to win. And there was never a moment's doubt whether Sung Jae could produce something quite like that I don't know but he's certainly good enough I think he's a, a major champion in waiting. We we saw how good he was at the President's Cup and the way he played in November he really demonstrated that he can get to grips with what you need to do on and around the greens and I know they were softer but they were still fast and they were still Augusta greens Um, it was more that you could land your irons where you pitch them that was different about the challenge I actually think an April Masters will better suit him if you think about where he won the Honda Classic in I think it was five under par and the way he played at the President's Cup on a firm and fast Royal Melbourne, which he'd never seen before, I think he's absolutely made for an Augusta uh, in April. Um, And yeah, 40 to one right now, the runner up from November, and I think he does have potential to you know he plays every week for one thing so there's got to be half a chance that he wins in the in the next 20 starts he'll manage between uh, now and April um, but also he's just fundamentally a, a brilliant world class player who could be um, every bit as good as just about anyone in the tournament so I do like him I just mentioned Chen Sung Pan as well um, he was seventh in November it came out of the blue but you can have 250 to one about a very talented player who okay doesn't hit the ball very far but you could argue that an April Masters will better suit him as well but I'll, I'll stick with Sung J.M., a much more realistic uh, prospect than you can have 40-1 to one generally.
0: He's golf's equivalent of a workaholic, isn't he? He never takes a week off, uh, St. J.M. He goes in there at 40-1. to one. Dave Tyndall to round off our Masters preview of 2021, then some months away, but what's your second tip?
1: Yeah, I, I did look at Tommy Fleetwood because I'm thinking of players who haven't quite had the, the year they wanted. Certainly that's the case with Ricky Fowler. But uh, Tommy Fleetwood on, on Twitter um, just after the uh, DP World Tour Championship Came on and was a little bit wistful and reflective and, and kind of knew that he hadn't had a good year. So it's often, you know, this is back to Keith Elliott's comeback trail. Someone who is a class player who's not had the year they wanted will probably work that much harder to to get to turn it around a little bit. So he's fifty to one. I'm tempted by that, but I'm going to put up a player double that price. No sniggering at the back, but it's going to be Lee Westwood at a hundred to one. I mean, he's he's, he's just been crowned Europe's number one golfer. So you add that into his Augusta record, which is, like, fantastic. He's got, well, if I start his Augusta record from 2010, second, 11th, third, 8th, seventh, 46th, second, 18th. So that was between 2010 and 2017. You could argue that he was maybe at his peak in some of those years, more so than he is now, but, I mean, he countered that with the fact that he's just been crowned European number one. I did have a slight feeling that I, I, maybe I was getting too sort of wobbly and romantic about it, but Darren Clark won the Open at Royal St. George's, which is the host venue again this year, and we'll come on to that in, a, in another podcast. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be lovely if Lee Westwood did the same thing, waited all that time and finally gets it done? But Westwood's record at Royal St. George's is horrible. In fact, his open record in... England is fairly terrible. All his good performances come in in Scotland or this time in, the, in Northern Ireland. So I couldn't put him up for that because he's had a few goes at it and just done nothing. And Plus, it seems to be a, an England-wide thing for whatever reason. I don't know. So I thought, well, why not go to the Masters, a tournament that's clearly easier to win because you've got less players in the field and clearly he's got a fantastic record, early Westwood. I don't really know if I'm slightly... Well... Will the hundred to one still be there? If he just sort of muddles through till April, it probably still will be there, to be honest, because people are thinking he's knocking on a bit. And and of course in April you'll get ten each way places where you've got just five or six now. But one of those ones, I'd like to get a bet down now at hundred to one and then maybe go in again at 66, sixty six, seventy seventy to be doing okay and take the bigger each way odds. But certainly as I said, look at you've got second, a third, a second um, at the Masters in the last seven or eight goes. Played it for the first time this year after a couple of years gap. Just as Bernard Langer shows, if you're a veteran with, with lots of master skills, know all the nooks and crannies, you can still perform and as Lee Westwood's shown, there's plenty of life in the old dog yet. So I just thought 100s was a bit crazy for Europe's number one, who's got a brilliant Masters record already.
0: Well, there we go then. The Masters 2021. Ben's going for Harris English 100 to 1, and Sunjay Im 40 to 1. Dave Tindall is going for Ricky Fowler 70 to 1, and Lee Westwood 100 to 1. Let's move on then to the USPGA. May 2021, Kiowa Island, the former Ryder Cup venue in South Carolina, also staged this event back in 2012. The defending champion is my mate, Colin Morikawa. My moment of glory from the year 2020 was picking him to win the USPGA. Um, will he win it again? At the top end of the market, Dustin Johnson is 11-1. Rory McIlroy, 12s, as is John Rahm. 16-1 for Brooks Kopka and Bryson DeChambeau and also Justin Thomas as under Shaffley is 20s and the rest are bigger let's start with you Ben for this uh, USPGA where are you going to take me for this one who do you fancy
2: I think one of the interesting things I mean chiefly in in 2012 when they played here it was really soft and conditions will determine how exactly it plays there was one I think the second round it was really really hard I think Rory shot 75 in round two and still won by 8 you know all of the talk beforehand was that it would be a bomber's paradise but when you look at the leaderboard although Rory won it you had David Lynn in second Carl Peterson third, Blake Adams seventh, loads of shorter hitters. So I think this is quite open. One of the things that struck me was how strong the ties were to the Carolinas. Rory, a multiple winner at Quail Hollow, David Lind, sole PGA tour win was there the year after. And Carl Peterson, who's lived in North Carolina for a long time, I think two of his five career wins have come in, in the Carolinas. So that all leads to Dustin Johnson. Um, and I do think he's a very fair price at 11-1. to 1. You know, he'll be chasing the third leg of his career slam. I can see it. And I think if you're having a win-only bet, it would be him. Um, but one who stood out at a slightly bigger price um, is Siwoo Kim. I say slightly bigger. He's 200-1 to 1 in a place. Um, he's a shown head. some really good foot yeah just just a bit I thought I'd give you something to work with with the place part his form has been really solid since he's gone to work with Claude Harmon he does still have the odd shocker but that's him he's a hugely talented player and he seems to be fit now he's played a lot of golf in 2020 so I think it's onwards and upwards for him and I think a, a third PGA Tour win is coming he's already won the players championship so he can defy the odds let's put it that way the interesting things Firstly, he was 13th in the USPGA, just gone. Also third at the Wyndham, which is in North Carolina. Uh, he's been 11th at the Travelers on a Pete Dye design. He's won the Players' Championship, another Pete Dye design. He's been 20th at Crooked Stick, another Pete Dye design. This looks like a good course for him. Um, he should have won the Heritage in South Carolina. So he's got loads of local form, loads of course designer form, some sneaky major form, and he's back close to his best. Big time youngster, 200 to 1. I thought he was the most interesting name um, at big prices anyway.
0: See so Kim then goes on to the list. Two hundred to one, Dave Tyndall.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with a player who's in the top ten in the world and who yet is fifty to one, that's Tyrrell Hatton. He just seems to be like ahead of the game in in terms of some of the Europeans. He's already got that big win on the European tour, winning at Bay Hill, and he's won at Wentworth, which was a, a childhood dream. So for all the kind of mutterings and internal dialogue we see with him and it, he seems like the sort of angriest man in the world sometimes and every little awkward bounce he doesn't like but he just wins so it's all noise all that kind of oh, happen, can get a bit in his head and, and get it all too much and get frustrated forget that what matters is his results and he can, he can win these big events so I thought Kiwa Island would be quite a good venue for him. If you look at, Ben went through some of the names, if you look at that USPGA held there 2012, seven of the top 10, seven of the top 10 were Europeans and not even the most elite ones as well. Ben mentioned David Lee and Carl Pettersson. You had, um, okay, Rosenpol, so Donaldson and Hank, Peter Hansen, they played Ryder Cup, but you know, so's hat, they're, they're not absolute major winners, a lot of those guys. So I, for whatever reason, it, it, it suited them. And when you think about Tyrrell Hatton, where he's won, Won the Alfred Dunhill Championship, so he's in Scotland. So he's he's won by the coast before. Also, Ben mentioned the Carolinas link. Well, Hatton was a third in the Heritage earlier this year, so um, again another coastal event. I just think for the world number ten, who, who's, who's not got there in a kind of Tony Finau way by accumulating good results here and there, he can actually win these big events, Tyrrell Hatton. I just think fifty to one is underestimating him a little bit. He will win a major. Uh, uh, some point soon, I think, and I thought this would be a good venue for him.
0: Ben, you've gone for Siwu Kim at 200-1. to Are we going to go bigger for your second choice or are we going a bit shorter? uh,
2: There aren't many bigger if you look at the (laughs) anti-post market to be honest. uh, Touching on many of the things Dave just pointed out, I I do like Victor Hovland here. I think 50-1 to for a guy who's won twice in 2020. Uh, He had to miss the Masters of course because of the qualification criteria and how the cards fell for him. The fact is when was in Puerto Rico didn't qualify for the tournament. I think he's of interest in all four majors to be honest with you. Now that his short game has clearly improved working with Pete Cowan. You look, he's played Four majors, two as an amateur, two as a pro, never worse than thirty third. I mean you could argue the way Matt Wolf and Colin Morakara have gone about it. He's been a bit quiet, but um that under any other measure that's a brilliant start to life in major championships. A couple of Scandinavians in the top ten um here in twenty twelve. The interesting, I suppose, added uh, element is the, the, the grass, uh, which might bore you to tears, but it's Seashore Paspalum the Greens here. Um they were relayed ahead of the twenty twelve US P G A. Well Hovland's won twice now. Mexico, Seashore Paspalum and, and Puerto Rico, Seashore Paspalum. So he's wins in those events are probably more to do with the, the company and the fact he was playing well um, but the fact that he's going to be comfortable on these screens is, is at least a, a, a small positive and above all else 50-1 one, about one of the best young players on the planet he could be going off 20-1 to one for majors in the not too distant future it could even happen this year so I'm more than happy to take that and of, of the four majors obviously I could put him up for all four I really could but of the four I thought the PGA was probably the nicest introduction and obviously one of his college sparring partners was Colin Murakawa on different teams um, and to succeed him as champion. Yeah, that, that fits. I can see it happening.
0: Like it. Victor Hovland goes onto the list. We've got one space left, Dave Tyndall, for the US PGA picks for 2021.
1: Yeah, in the spirit of trying to find an absolute huge price like Ben has already, I'm going to have a go on... Well, I think I've been certainly been influenced by all these Europeans, the top 10 there last time. So I'm going to go for Robert McIntyre, a massive 250 to 1. Yeah, he's not done an awful lot yet, in his career in terms of maybe to an American audience, but we've seen him finish sixth in the Open Championship at Royal Port Russia. He's taken on the best um, in a major, obviously that was by the coast. Second in the British Masters when it was at Hillside, another uh, links um, by the coast. He ended the year um, really well. He he got his win under his belt in Cyprus, followed that up with sixth at the Alfred Dunhill Championship, then played Decently, if not quite the best in Dubai, although he could have done a lot better in the DP World Tour Championship. Just had a a poor final round, 77, when I think me and you were both on him, Ben, and quite a few people were. So he looked good for some each-way cash at least there, maybe even the win at one point, but didn't quite get it done. But they interviewed him there, and he's done all those things you kind of want to hear that a a young up-and-coming golfer might want to be doing. He's looking for improvements. He's changed his diet. He just seems more committed to everything. In a major where some Europeans can sneak through, especially at that venue, Kiwa Island, I think he could do something there. And obviously 250 to 1, it's there for a reason. But he's certainly a player on the upgrade. And you know, hopefully he will look at all the, the Brits who did well there last time and think, maybe that's a course that could suit my style of play. So it's a bit of a... a a bit of a dart, isn't it? But you know, two hundred fifty to one. You know, it'd be one to brag
0: about if he can break that top five or six. <laughs> and and, and you, you don't like doing that at all, do you? US PGA then. Um, Kim. Ben's pick two hundred to one. Ben's also going for Victor Hovland at fifties and Dave Tindall with Tyrrell Hatton at fifty to one and also uh, Robert McIntyre a gargantuan 250-1 to one. it'd be wrong of me after my uh, pick in the uh, USPGA last time not to mention Colin Morikawa he's 25-1 to one. good luck Colin for, uh, in the defence of your title we finished part one of our look ahead to the majors of 2021 Dave Tindall and Ben Coley for now thank you very much always gamble responsibly as always on the uh, golf betting podcast we say that at the end and now it's time this is side one flip it over to side two and we'll be back in part two with our previews of the u.s open and the open championship next year this is a sports betting media production please gamble responsibly visit begambleaware.org
1: for all the information follow us at betbites on
2: twitter and don't forget we release a brand new multi-sport betbites podcast
1: every thursday sports social podcast network